Welcome to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm here with Lauren Fix and Carl Brower, and we're ready to celebrate the 4th of July weekend. How are you, Lauren? I'm great. Happy Independence Day to our listeners, if you're listening on the 4th. Yeah. How are you, Carl? Good. Ready for uh, my long weekend. Well, how long is it going to be? <laughs> it's going to be short, Carl. Let's be honest. You and I are still Yeah, you're always busy. working, man. I mean, like you, you don't have short weekends or long weekends, right? No. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the closest you get to having time off, but it still doesn't really end up with time off. It's true. Yeah. It's lack of so sleep. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, this time of the year, in the past, I don't know how long, like maybe last 10 years or something, there's always come a report of the most American car. And it's very interesting because uh, I don't know if, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember if I wanted to buy some electronics, I wanted to be made in Japan, if, especially if it was Sony. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I equated that to be the like best uh, product, like the best quality and, and everything. But I think that has changed a lot in everything, not only in electronics, but in cars too, right? I don't know if you had that experience uh, before, uh, Lauren. Yeah, you know, I remember getting Sony TVs. That was the brand you wanted. And that was what my parents bought. That was like the thing to have. So it's kind of funny that here we go full circle. And we're like, yeah, I think I want American made. You know, <laughs> Carl, did you remember that at that time? I think you're, uh, I mean, you probably went through the same experience, right? Yeah, no, there was absolutely a a focus on, you know, how the Japanese cars were kind of taking over. I mean, everything. I look back at like movies from the 80s and stuff. And you know, I remember they bought Rockefeller Center and stuff, Japanese businesses and all. And so everyone was like, they're going to take over. And then they made, uh, Ridley Scott made um, uh, Blade Runner. And, you know, there was a huge kind of Japanese influence all over it. All the buildings had these Japanese like things going on in the background and also There was this definite like fear. And I think it came, I think the car culture of everyone's abandoning the American car companies and going to Japanese car companies, which anyone who remembers the cars of the 70s and 80s and, and even early 90s from American car companies, you should have abandoned them and gone with the, uh, you know, not all of them, but a large <laughs> chunk of them. You should have abandoned them and gone to the Japanese car companies. That's a much more even playing field now, but it was pretty ugly there for a while. Yeah, yeah that's true. I remember yeah, that, that when Japanese cars came out, I actually had, uh, oh God, it's been many years, I had a Z car. And boy, they were the coolest thing. But then the American cars at the time were kind of eh. I mean, you think of something from the 80s, like an 82 Mustang, you know, it was okay, unless it was a GT. But then you'd look at a Z car and you go, oh. So, I mean, everything's changed. And now we're back to American cars. They make great vehicles. Everybody's making good. There's very little product I would say, hey, I wouldn't buy that. Yeah, exactly. But let's go back a little bit in, in time. Like, but Carl, what do you think happened to the Americans? Because, for example, Cadillac for a while was like the, the, the brand. I mean, aside from Rolls Royce or anything like that. But if you had a Cadillac anywhere in the world, you had beautiful and like really good car. But then what happened? Uh, GM, I mean, the, to put it bluntly, GM just got lazy and greedy. You know, they started badge engineering things that, you know, in the 1950s, a Buick was a very different car from an Oldsmobile or a Pontiac or a Chevrolet. In 1971, 73, 75, they were the same car with different grills and chrome on the outside. 
Uh, and none of them were built, built very well, by the way, compared to the 50s. So it was really just your kind of perfect example of uh, a company that got too powerful too quickly. Uh, you know, there was talk of busting GM up from an antitrust point of view, kind of like they're talking about Google and Facebook and all now because the market share, and I can't remember, someone would have to check my math here, but my understanding was that the market share for General Motors somewhere in the 70s was hitting like 60% of the country. And there was discussion, should we break this thing up? They're becoming a monopoly. And of course, everything's always like, you know, trailing, uh, you know, the reality, right? Like GM's biggest market share possession of the U.S. uh, market was probably five to seven years after their their peak of any kind of good cars they were making, right? Like they were still making okay cars even in the 60s and into the late 60s. And they peaked in market share somewhere in the 70s, at which point the cars were already not good cars. And so, but it just took, and then, and then it took a long time for that, for them. It's like, it's like a rock, you know, the momentum, they had enough share and enough diehard GM fans. They kept buying the cars, even though they were kind of getting worse. And then it was the early seventies gas embargo where all of a sudden you could, you know, buy a, (laughs) buy a 5,000 pound uh, Cadillac with a 500 cubic inch engine that made 178 yeah. horsepower, or you could, uh, and got eight miles to the gallon, or you could go buy, you know, a car for one fourth that price from Honda that would get uh, three times the fuel economy. And it just started to whipsaw the other way very quickly once there were alternatives that were from Japan that had better build quality and far more efficient. Yeah, to be fair, Ford had the same problem because Lincoln was a yes. fabulous brand <laughs> and they went the same way. Yes. Yeah. All of them did. Chrysler. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, and Uh I grew up up a Mopar guy, Aspens and the Velares and stuff. It's like, come on. It was pretty ugly there for about 15 years, at least 15 years. I call it the dark ages of the American automobile. That's what I call it. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And it's funny because you're thinking about cars. We had, that's all we had in our garage. My father had a 55 Thunderbird. He had a 67 Corvette and a 70 Barracuda. And it was always American. He worked for the big three automakers. And that was his thing until about 2000 when he sort of abandoned the product and moved all to German and Italian. I don't know why, but it was just something that triggered he had had enough. So. Yeah. Have, um, I don't know if you have, uh, you either of you have read the book, uh, Car Guys Against Bean Counters by Bob Lutz. And like that kind of explains the process. I mean, that's yeah. why Carl just said it. It's a no, fabulous that was him. Book. He chronicled it from a very good perspective because he was right there in the middle of it all as an executive at multiple companies. So he got to see it front and center and did a great job of capturing, you know, here's how the mighty fall from grace. And essentially they get fat, lazy, and greedy. And that's what happened. Agreed. That's exactly it. I remember one one little episode from that book is that uh, a, a whole discussion, like months long, about a Christmas card from Cadillac. So they they commissioned a Christmas card to some artists. So he sent back the, his first painting and, and it was a car in a house like going up a driveway. And then when it came out, oh no, the driveway is not long enough. The house is not big enough. The house has to have th- a three-car garage. So they were came back and forth with like different renditions of the a Christmas card. I could spend like months thinking about a stupid Christmas car instead of making cars. And and eventually they, they created a car, a Christmas car with a beautiful car, a bigger house and everything. But can you imagine the time and the money that they spent in just like that little example of, uh, 
of, of waste oh, of resources. Waste. I mean, it's just stupid, right? And you know, yeah. they probably used a designer internally to do it too. You know, who could be designing something better? This yeah. is bad, anyway, bad so, use of uh, money, for sure. So let's go back to the original question of this segment. Does it matter where a car is made today, Carl? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, and I think you can't say that, you know, a Chevy is automatically more American, quote unquote, than a Honda. Uh, there's plenty of studies out there that not just look at the badge that's on the car or even just where the car is assembled, but also where the parts that are going into the car are assembled. And when you do that, you end up with uh, plenty of non-quote-unquote American cars with more American content, whether it's who built them or uh, where they were built or where the parts that are inside of them came originated, You know, whether it was China, Europe, or the U.S. So... It, to say I'm not going to spend money on this car because I want to support America, it's like, well, where's that car assembled and where do the bulk of its parts come from? If it comes from America, then you're helping America a lot to buy that car, no matter what the badge says. You know, it's so, interesting you say that because I think consumers at some point were thinking, you know, I want an American car company, but then they realized some of them were being made in Mexico, so it wasn't giving us jobs. But if you work for Honda or you have a family member that works for Nissan or one of the other brands in one of the many, many factories we have here across the U.S., even Tesla, you tend to be loyal to that brand because it brings in income to your home. So I think from that standpoint, there still are people that – I remember my father, when he worked at GM, he had to have a Corvette. When he worked at Ford, it was a Thunderbird. When he worked at Chrysler, it was a Cuda because he wanted to own the brand that put money in his yeah. pocket. Yeah, there was a joke when the water uh, uh, problems in Flint, Michigan, and they were saying, "Remember the times where you couldn't drink water in Mexico, and the Americans' car were building Flint, Michigan." So and they're like, <laughs> "Now you cannot drink the water in Michigan, and you get cars from Mexico." <laughs> <laughs> well, and look at Lauren was saying about the kind of local impact, right? Why is there a big truck plant? from Toyota in Texas because yeah. Toyota decided to go all in on building trucks and trying to sell them in the U.S. And one of the ways they realized was let's literally put a Japanese car company's truck plant in the heart of truck country, which is Texas in this in this nation. And mm-hmm. it was a brilliant idea, by the way. There's plenty of Texans who are buying Toyotas now, not because they, they, they think Toyotas are better than American cars, but because they know this is helping our local economy every one time a Tundra sells. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to give you a couple of uh, places in, in the world and you tell me where you think, what car is built there. For example, if I tell you Aguascalientes in Mexico, which uh, car you think is built there, Lauren? Oh, gee, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> Mexico, well, I know Audis are made in Mexico. I know that. Yeah, we're in we've Puebla, in not in Aguascalientes. <laughs> I don't know Mexico as well as you might, but... Uh... I know uh, uh, Nissan and Mercedes-Benz had a deal to build the GLB for a while. I, I don't know if there's already available still because it was the Infiniti Q... Which one? QX35, uh, I think. The little SUV that was like similar to the, the Mercedes. But they're like weird places. I mean, like Toyota makes the CHR in Turkey... Uh, mm-hmm. The Buick Ambition is made in China. Volvo cars are made in China now. Uh, the Fiat, I know, is it unreal? Yeah, like South Korea, Austria, Thailand, Spain, obviously Germany, but <laughs> there's a lot of cars that are made all over the world. And 
another thing that I think a lot of people don't know is how many German cars are built in the U.S., right, Carl? Yeah, no, there's the Southeast has become like, you know, a little motor city Detroit type thing. I mean, Atlanta, I always say Atlanta is like the New York of the Southeast, but you could argue, start arguing, it's almost like the Detroit. But you got Porsche based there. You got Mercedes based there. Uh, Peugeot was putting their offices there before they uh, took over um, uh, FCA and became Stellantis. So there's a lot of activity going on in the Southeast between corporate headquarters and then Kia's got a plant down there. Hyundai's got a plant down there. Mercedes has a plant in that region. Uh, BMW has a plant in that region. There's a whole lot of Southeast automotive activity going on. Yeah. Well, I think so part of that is because there's no unions, and so it keeps their costs yeah, down because they're exactly. so beholden to the unions up here that the problem is is now for the rest of and it's good and it's bad. It's bad for the employees. It's not, it's I mean it's not good for and it's not it's good for the employees. It's not good for the uh, employer because for the rest of their lives they've got all these retirement accounts they have to take care of, and that gets real expensive. You don't think about it until your car company's a hundred years old. Then you're like, uh oh. Now we're in over our heads. Yeah. So to round up the this year's report of the most American car, the Tesla Model 3, number one. And then for Mustang, another Tesla Model Y, Jeep Cherokee, Chevrolet Corvette, and then the Japanese coming, Honda Ridgeline, Honda Odyssey, now. Honda Pilot, Honda Passport. <laughs> and then like number 10, as uh, Carl was mentioning, Toyota Tundra. So... Half of the list, non-American brands. Again, number 12 was is it. an Acura, too. So that means yeah. <laughs> Honda's is making vehicles like mostly in Lincoln, Alabama. Again, non-union yeah. state. Exactly. So I guess it doesn't matter, right, Carl, as you were saying. No, it, again, to try to identify where your money is going to most help the U.S. based on the brand on the outside of the car you better do some research because if you just take it by, well, this is what the name says. Now, I remember when people would say this to me before, I used to say, where's the CEO sitting? And you can kind of do that. If you want to be a stickler, you can say, I'm going to buy cars from companies whose headquarters are in the US. If you want to make it that cut and dry, that'll get you, you know, that, that then you can kind of fall back on your standard thing. Although actually not anymore, like if you buy a Dodge, uh, their offices are going to be in, uh, in, <laughs> in Milan uh, or France, France or, or Milan. Yeah, I think actually, even though it's Peugeot that they joined with, I think they're based in, uh, well, they were in Milan as FCA, and now I think they're going to be somewhere else in Europe. Or is it Belgium? They kind of picked a new location. Yeah, I think, so. I think you're right, yeah. And uh, one of the sites that you work for, iSite.com, uh, you, you have a different report on this, like based on registrations? Yeah, so we were looking at where the most American cars are sold. And, you know, it was pretty interesting. Not surprisingly, Michigan, of course, is the, is the state that has the most American nameplate. And again, we're now going to nameplate versus necessarily content and location of, of production. But if you just go by nameplate uh, where they're sold, I, I thought it was funny, funny and not surprising at all that Michigan is the state with the highest percentage and highest volume of American quote unquote nameplates sold. I mean, interesting uh conversation about American, quote unquote, American cars. <laughs> so most of them are Japanese. <laughs> but anyway, so Lauren, uh, Carl, enjoy your uh, 4th of July weekend and uh, stay safe. Uh, drive carefully. I got into a little accident today. So we're going to talk about that in another oh, episode. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you okay? I mean, you can always I am stuff. okay. And just to give a teaser, I was hit by a car which is worth about 20000 And the car that I was driving, it's worth about 
200,000. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> so I, some, I hope he the, has the good car insurance. company got mad, sounds like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, enjoy your 4 of July and enjoy and drive safe, of course. And I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Yeah, take care, everyone. Enjoy your 4th. Happy, happy Independence Day. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com. Thank you.